Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is the week ending December 10th. Is it December 10th? December 10th, 2021. Bruce, am I right? Is it the week ending December 10th, 2021? Am I correct on this? Well, my weeks don't end on Friday, but hey, if yours do, <laughs> knock yourself out. <laughs> when do your weeks end, Bruce? When does your week literally end, you think, and you can actually breathe okay? I, I never have an end in my week. It's always going. It's always going. I'm now depressed. Thank you, Bruce, for that really big downer. Are you gonna Are you gonna make me sad too, Eric Holmes, aka E. Ricky Ricardo? What do you, When does your week start? When does your week end, Eric Holmes? You know, time is a construct. So, oh, time. Okay, time is. What movie is that from? Time is a construct. Circle. It's, it, it's a circle, and it's flat. Is it a Nolan film? I'm forgetting it. What is it? What is it? Time is a circle. What's the movie reference? I don't there's, know. by the way, there's a movie we're covering this week that has a ton of movie references. Bruce, what is that? Time is flat. Is a flat circle. What movie is that called from? Is it maybe it's from from the movie that's a TV series called True Detective season one? Oh, very good. Oh. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, see, look at Eric Holmes. You, you actually that where quote, I got it from. <laughs> that's where you got it from. Did you, have you seen season one of True Detective, Eric Holmes? Or did I, you just... I did, but I, I didn't think that's where the thing came from. I just, I just said it because yeah. I heard like blah, blah, blah is a construct. So I just time in there. <laughs> Bruce, thank you for saving us on that pop culture reference. We have a lot of movies to get to this week. I'm just going to rattle them off right now. We have a horror thriller drama called Agnes, which is very interesting. And I'm really excited to hear what Eric and Bruce have to say about this movie. We're going to actually probably get into it regarding Agnes. Also, we have a drama called National Champions, which is a really interesting sports drama about the uh, merit of whether or not to play to pay college athletes for their hard work. This is within the realm of a the, the NC2A football title game, national championship, set in New Orleans. So that's going to be interesting. There's a documentary called To What Remains, and this is a documentary. Bruce, you've been really excited for, right? This is the one that on our on that cinematics episode you said, hey, you thought you thought it might be good. It sounded interesting. I I just thought, okay. There's something to throw out. Let's give it a try. Give it a try. All right. Let's give it a try. Let's see if Bruce said, hey, you know what? Let's give it a try and let's see if, Bruce, if we're mad at Bruce for actually making us go watch this documentary called <laughs> To What Remains. Well, Bruce, What Remains is about 90, 90 minutes to 100 minutes less of my life. Thanks for the documentary, <laughs> Bruce, and filling up our movie well, schedule. I'm sorry it didn't start with porn and end with boredom. <laughs> okay, porn. No, folks, folks. Okay, first of all, Bruce Porky was mentioning about as Eric Holmes, aka Ricky Ricardo, is coughing up a storm because this is a reference to Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn, a Romanian film that I really see. I choked myself because I'm actually saying this right now. A Romanian film that I really love. You know what? Let's start our rating system right now. We're starting. Look, folks, listen. We've started. We've been doing this for about a year and a half, along with Movie Mainline, maybe even two years. We haven't done a rating system. We're doing a rating system a la Letterboxd. We're not original. Zero to five stars. Five stars being the highest. We're going to, I'm sure, going to fine tune it. But Bruce Porky actually actually laid down the law. It's zero, half, one star, one half star, all that kind of stuff. Just a normal way to rate movies. Bruce Porky, what is your rating of bad luck banging or loony porn? By the way, a movie that was praised by Last Night in Soho filmmaker Edgar Right, Bruce Parker, you're on the stand. <laughs> Which rate. I haven't seen yet. I'm going to actually look it up. I'm going to tell you what did oh, I oh, actually oh. rate this. Oh, did so you, you see? Find out. Have you been secretly rating movies for the last two years behind our back without without us knowing? You have a it's whole. It's only secret if you don't follow me on Letterbox. That's the only way it's a secret uh, to you. Well, oh, oops, I'm sorry. 
What? I have a yes. letterbox, but I only have three movies. Gremlins, Gremlins 2, and Groupers. And I think I gave them all five stars. Oh, very good. Okay. Uh, I gave Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn two stars. Fair? Two stars. Okay, two stars. What would you give? Okay, two stars for Bruce Perky, Eric Holmes. Start doing, start working on that letterbox. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're a premium member, aren't you? I just I just got re-upped as a premium member, and I never do anything with it. But what, what is your rating? It's not uh, five stars, I know. Come on. It's probably not any... <laughs> So you're giving it you're giving it bad luck banging or loony porn. I'm gonna say it right now. You're giving it zero stars, correct? Zero. You, yeah, are you giving it a zero? I, I really did not like that movie. Zero. So I, that is it. Felt, it felt like it wasted my time, and then at the end, it told me, "Yes, I wasted your time." Okay, so that is zero stars for Eric Holmes. I give bad luck banging or loony porn four and a half stars. I really, really love bad luck banging or loony porn. Eric Holmes gives me a nonplussed face, and <laughs> if you're not looking at the video, and then. Bruce Perky was absolutely shocked. Bruce, you, you've known me for a while. You shouldn't be shocked at my ridiculous reviews. So let's <laughs> just face. Oh, I forgot one more, one more thing. There is one more featured movie we're going to do this week, and I'm really excited about this. Me and Bruce are we're excited about this. But the most excited person out of the whole crew, out of the whole trio, is Ricky Ricardo. What are we going to? Oh, wait, I forgot to mention for our video, Bruce Perky is Bruce Seal Ball. Yes, very good. So, if you hey, listeners, if you want me, if you like it better, I could be Bruce Eel Balls. If you like that better, for no, that's bad. Like banging more... and looney porn. <laughs> okay, very good, Bruce. Okay, so Bruce Eel Ball, aka Bruce Perky, Ricky Ricardo, Ricky. What movie are we gonna start off with for the for our Find Your Film podcast this week for our featured review? Oh, that we're starting out with. Probably. Yeah, what, what's a movie? What's a movie you're the most excited about to talk talk about? It's the new Aaron Sorkin joint, being the Ricardos. And I believe that is coming out on, in theaters this weekend. And is it? it's not streaming this weekend, is it? No, I'm going to look at look it up right now. You know, it's actually coming out on VHS in... No, it's not VHS. It's hitting... You're right, Eric. It is coming out in theaters December 10th. But a lot of people will be able to see it on Prime Video starting December 21st. Now... For those who do not know, Eric Holmes, can you tell our listeners why Aaron Sorkin is sort of a North Star for you when it comes to filmmakers and writers? I, I just like the way that he writes, and I like the way... I like how each different character he writes. Like, the, his dialogue makes all his characters, air quotes, sound the same, but I think his characters have uh, wants and desires and so on and so forth that give them their own character. So even though the cadence is similar, I think think it like you could read one character without the without the character heading and just based on what they're saying you can kind of tell which character in that movie would say something like that or would take that position on a certain thing i guess we get into it the, no uh, well, before i'm gonna um, i'm gonna get into it uh, with you because i know you like courtroom dra- dramas i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on the stand again eric holmes have you ever disliked an aaron sorkin script not movie but script as far as writing or have you always liked his writing no. period no, no, I, nothing. Uh, if he's got one that I don't like, I haven't. The American President, or, sorry, Michael Douglas and Ed Benning. No, you still like that? I have. I haven't read the script, but I do like the movie. Yeah, I do like the movie as well. How about you, Bruce? As far as Aaron Sorkin, is he pretty much spotless for you? Is is he almost a north star when it comes to writers for you? Mm, I, I'm not as big of a Sorkin head. I'd have to go down the list and actually look because I can't recall all of them off the top of my head. But the ones I can remember from him are always they're solid for sure. Social Network. Uh, Steve Jobs. I call it the Apple movie. Haven't watched it. Oh, you, oh really? Mm. Who, have you seen Steve? Of course, you've seen Steve Jobs, yeah. right? Did you yeah, like that? 
Yeah. In fact, I, I did think of one that I don't like, and it has oh, nothing to do with the writing. It's the uh, probably the direction they went with on the TV show, but it was uh, Sports Night. Whoa, uh, they have what? they have a laugh, they have a laugh track in it. Oh, got it. Which which totally kills any sort of uh, flow that Aaron Sorkin has in his writing. But the actual show itself, regarding disregarding the laugh track, you like the writing behind this. Behind yeah, sports night, but I okay. mean, it, it, it was real tough to sit through, and it's all because of that that laugh track just just kills any sort of momentum it has. Well, I'll be honest with being the Ricardos again. This is this movie is rated R. It runs 125 minutes, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, starring Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball, not Lucille Ball, and Javier Bardem Jr. not as E. Ricky Ricardo, or not as Ricky Ricardo, as Desi Arnaz. Uh, Ricky Ricardo, of course, is the the character behind the popular iconic show, I Love Lucy. And Lucille Ball is, of course, playing Lucy in I Love Lucy. It was interesting because you're wondering, why would Aaron Sorkin, he likes these courtroom dramas and very epic type of narratives. Why is he doing a movie about Lucille Ball and I Love Lucy? I am the biggest asset in the portfolio of the Columbia Broadcasting System. Quiet, please. The biggest asset in the portfolio of Philip Morris Tobacco Westinghouse. Roll sound. Let's do our show. I get paid a fortune to do exactly what I love doing. Uh, they got their money's work. Pictures up. I work side by side with my husband, who is genuinely impressed by me. And all I have to do to keep it is kill. Oh. For 36 weeks in a row. Okay, let's go. And then do it again the next year. You know, I did this show so Desi and I could be together. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. And action. I had no idea it was going to be a hit. There is a political element to this because Lucille Ball is accused of being a communist. And when this happens, this is set during a very pivotal and pressure-filled week where they're actually taping a show that's directed by their by Lucille Ball's least favorite director. That's number one. Number two, she's she might be pregnant. She's pregnant. No, she's not. She might be. She's, she's also pregnant. So they have to actually ju- juggle several elements within this week. And this is an, a sneak peek look at... How Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz, especially Lucio Ball, how they how they navigate their way through a week of production amidst all of this whole red scare and media blitz regarding um, Lucio Ball's you know potential reputation being spoiled. So that is being the Ricardos. Also, J.K. Simmons plays actor William Frawley from I Love Lucy, and Nina Ariana stars as. Vivian Vance, Vivian Vance, of course, and Frawley are the co-stars in I Love Lucy. Again, they're played by J.K. Simmons and Nina Arianda. And Tony Hale, he, I believe he plays Lucille Ball's former manager, or maybe kind of manager, but he's the main producer behind I Love Lucy. And I don't know how to pronounce her name, Alia Shakwat, Shakwat, Shakwat? I'm horrible with that from Arrested Development. She stars as the lead writer, one of the lead writers on I Love Lucy. Let's start off with you, Bruce. Regarding being the Ricardos, you saw this last minute. We much apology, right? Maybe today you saw it today. Yeah, I saw like half of it last night. And then I had to go to bed because it was really late, and I saw the other half this morning. 
Okay, so Aaron Sorkin, this is good because you're not a biased Aaron Sorkin fan. You uh, catch us, catch can. Where, how did this movie catch you? So first of all, I would say, do you think the average person knows who Nina Ariande is? Yeah. Well, look, that's a good question. I would say people who subscribe to Showtime and watch Billions, they know her. And then from someone like me, I, I know, her, know her from Billions and Frank and Ollie. So the average person, probably not, but maybe a select few would know. Yes. That's probably why she's the best matched person for the roles in this movie. She and J.K. Simmons are by far the standout and correctly cast people in this movie. And I was thoroughly distracted with everything Nicole Kidman and everything Harvey, Javier Bardem did. I could never see them as not the actors. So that was a big, big drawback to me in this movie. I couldn't, I could never sink into their characters as being who they are. And I think part of that is, I think it's really hard when you do a super famous person that's also a super famous persona that people recognize, like visually and sound and everything. And then you take two other really famous people and put them into those roles. It's kind of, I think it's a double negative when you do that. Whereas you take these two two really famous people and put, some really great actors because these are great actors. They're doing a great job as far as acting goes. But if you put two great actors in there that are basically somewhat unknown, they can sink into the roles, I think, and disappear into them more. So that would be my biggest drawback right out of the gate. I really, the stuff I really like, I really like the two supporting characters. I thought JK Simmons and Arianda were amazing. And I thought that they were the best part of that. And I really liked all of the nuts and bolts stuff. Like I loved it when they were, you know, figuring out how to make the episodes work and all that kind of stuff. And you got to see Lucy like be a mastermind of comedy and all this stuff. And you got to see her also be as strong as all of these like big wigs from the, you know, tobacco companies and from the the studios. I loved that stuff. That was really good. Even though I was distracted by her, I liked the interaction there. What I didn't like so much, unfortunately, the romance stuff, the question of his infidelity, the communist stuff was all kind of boring to me because we know the outcome. So I thought the stakes were really low. So I just, I would rather had it just be a nuts and bolts kind of movie. So for me, it's very middle of the road. It's kind of a mixed bag. Bruce, how about the idea of the production design? Did you feel like you were transported back into the 50s? How did you feel about the overall look of the film as well? I would have if I didn't constantly remind that I was watching Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. So they okay. pulled me out of it constantly pulled me out of this movie so okay, i could not sink into it yeah i've never seen the michael douglas film the star chamber but throw down some stars bruce what would you give being the ricardos two and a half two and a half stars this, straight, this means straight middle of the road i think some people really like oh and the other thing i would say is this is going to be probably much higher graded to people more my age or 40 maybe 40 years old and older but younger than that there's gonna be a lot of people that are going to totally check out of this movie because they're going to have they're going to be like I care nothing about these people. Very, very good. That's two and a half stars for Bruce Perky. And he was saying people from his generation, Bruce Perky, belongs to the generation called Generation X. I am a member of Generation X. I'm going to give my review in a few moments. So Bruce and I are pretty much the same age. A member who is, I don't even know, I don't think Eric Holmes is a member of Generation X. You're a member of Generation Y, Eric Holmes. Why? I don't know why you're a member of Generation Y. You're giving me a Y sign. What did you think of being the Ricardos? Here's the thing. Bruce uh, threw down two and a half stars. I want to hear what you think about this movie. Well, first of all, I think that uh, J.K. Simmons doing Aaron Sorkin dialogue is my new drug of choice. I want to see him go back and redo all the Aaron Sorkin movies and just do everyone's dialogue. He just He's kind of like uh, Samuel L. Jackson with Tarantino dialogue. He just 
fucking it, it's almost like Aaron Sorkin has been writing for J.K. Simmons his whole career and he had no idea that he was doing that so J.K. Simmons is awesome I'm kind of with uh, Bruce on uh, Desir Inez Javier Bardem Javier Bardem <laughs> yep I, I still liked him in that role, but he didn't feel like Desi Arnaz to me. I don't know who uh, was playing Lucille Ball, but uh, she she captured that spirit pretty pretty well. It <laughs> was Nicole Kid Nicole Kidman. You have an idea who Nicole Kidman? No, is? no, not Nicole Kidman. Whoever oh. was playing Lucille Ball, I, I have no idea what what Nicole Kidman was. Who Nicole Kidman oh. was in this movie? Oh, very. That's a I know, but um, is that I, a compliment? Are you saying that you actually were not yeah. unlike Bruce? You were actually sunk into the role with. I did. I did. You're, um, not, you're not talking about that older, by a lot of years, plastic surgery actress that was playing uh, Lucille Ball. No, with with Nicole Kidman, <laughs> I really loved her in this role, and I'm not a Nicole Kidman fan, like at all, like at all. Oh, 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 oh you're not. You're not a Nicole Kidman fan. Are you a fan no. of The Sun? Are you a fan of? I like I'm movies that she's in. I don't like oh, her in the so movies funny. that she's in, usually. I mean, really? I don't hate her, but I'm not, like, huge into Nicole Kidman. Okay, gotcha. But for yeah. me, she absolutely worked in this. Because it wasn't, to me, it wasn't so much a, uh, she wasn't doing a uh, impression of Lucille Ball. But I thought she captured the spirit of her pretty well. Like, seeing Lucille Ball and, like, Johnny Carson or, what you know, interviews and such. I thought she kind of captured her you know, it still had that Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin cadence to it, but also her her character is really funny. But that makes sense because Lucille Ball was real funny, so it it matches. And yeah, I didn't always see Lucille Ball, but I didn't really see Nicole Kidman. And I don't know. Uh, that's just kind of what I thought there. As for the story, I like how they set it up with it where it's uh, every day of the week leading up to them recording or taping the uh, I Love Lucy show. The Red Scare thing was kind of interesting, but I'm kind of with Bruce on that. It's it's when you already know what's going to happen, it, it kind of takes away you know from that. But I still kind of liked it as a sort of time capsule of that era. You know, when so, with something like that, you almost have to put it in. I really liked the interactions, and I absolutely loved how you got into the writing process. You know, the jokes yeah. were silly. The jokes within the I Love Lucy show were silly, but it was neat to see Aaron Sorkin's take on how they get there. And he would know, because he's worked on TV shows before. So this is kind of, you know, you say write what you know. He knows this really well. He may not have worked on I Love Lucy, but... I think he has enough insight, and that comes through a lot in this in this movie. Um, as for the romance uh, between Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, I really like that. The fact that you know she's trying to be, you know, continue her success, and then you get little flashbacks of her trying to gain su- success. So now her and Desi are there, like they're not to be fucked with, you know, as far as yeah. anyone in the studio goes. <laughs> But you get to see kind of how they how they got there in little snippets. They don't spend a lot of time on that. And then to see her kind of juggle her success as a superstar and also trying to save her marriage. And, you know, to the uh, the ending was almost kind of perfect with kind of how her character was. There's a version of well, I don't know. We shouldn't get into that, even though everyone probably knows if you know who Lucy and Desi is. But I, I really I really liked how they were able to fit that in there. As far as star ratings, I would give this a five, but keep yeah, in so mind. Yeah, give it a five. You're giving it, it a keep five. Keep in mind, I would give Molly's Game a five. 
I would give Trial of the Chicago 7 to 5. And both those, like, they come out, and I'm like, these movies are awesome. Everyone's going to love it. And then they came out, and everyone's like, good. They need to have someone else to direct Sarkin scripts. I'm like, okay, whatever. So who knows what everyone's going to think of this one. My guess is they'll probably lean more towards Bruce, but I, I have no idea. But for me, I love this movie. And I think this is kind of one, when uh, Social Network came out, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And then the more I watch it, the more I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm kind of kind of getting into the, uh, you know, the feel of it. And I, I like Social Network like a million times more than I did the first time I watched it. And I think there's enough in here. Definitely enough like kind of bits of dialogue where there's like little funny parts that, that might just fly right by you at first until you get it, watch it a second time and a third time. I think there's a bunch of little uh, gems and nuggets of hilarity in this that by the time I watch this 10 times and I will watch it 10 times <laughs> I'll start just pulling out little nuggets all over in this movie but yeah th- this is a high recommend for me but again if you don't like Aaron Sorkin or you don't like his previous movies that you directed I don't think this is going to bring you around but who knows maybe I'm wrong but I do disagree with uh, Bruce on Nicole Kidman's performance I thought that was fantastic and uh, I hope she wins all the awards Oh, really, Eric? I mean, come on. Well, first of all, I agree with you, Eric. Nicole Kidman gives an amazing performance. I think she should win the Oscar as well. I totally agree with you. I'm kidding. I was a, I was trying to do a little bit of a fake on that. But no, I love being the Ricardos. Bruce is right. People his age or older are going to love being the Ricardos. I am a target demographic. When I was young, I'm sure, Bruce, when you were young, maybe your parents or some relatives were, would watch I Love Lucy while it was on the television. So it got me on the member barriers on, on the nostalgia factor. Eric, you were mentioning the writing aspect of this movie. If listeners, even if you're not a fan of that era, if you're a fan of writing or Aaron Sorkin or like what Bruce was saying, how, how scenes play out, this is just a great behind the scenes look on how to craft a scene as a writer or as a collaborator. So there's a very, very value added thing behind being the Ricardos on how to craft a story in, with other people around. So that's good. I don't know. I just felt Nicole Kidman did it did not dist- her performance to me was not distracting. I think this is one of her best performances on celluloid. She will get an Oscar nomination. I don't know if she's going to win the Oscar. This is one of my favorite performances from Kidman. After watching this, I went to IMDb and I was surprised to th- to, to learn that she's only won one Oscar and that was for The Hours. She was absolutely ignored several years ago in my opinion for her role in Destroyer. Also Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz yeah, you're always thinking it's Javier Bardem, but I mean, watching Javier Bardem play Desi Arnaz, I'm fine because it's, it's still Javier, Javier Bardem. I still had a good time watching it. That said, what, what Bruce was saying about the performances of J.K. Simmons and Nina Arianda, well, even Tony Hale and Ali Shakwat, their the ensemble in this movie really sings as well. So it's 125 minutes. I was never bored. It was pretty much catnip for me. I'm not going to give it five stars, but I'm going to, I'm going to say close. It's one of my favorite films of the year. I, favorite films of the year. I give Being the Ricardos a, a high, strong recommend. Four and a half stars for me. So that's four and a half stars for me. It is five stars for the biased Aaron Sorkin fan, <laughs> Eric Holmes. So you take that for what it is, good or bad or, or nothing. And then Bruce Perky gives it a two and a half stars, two and a half star rating. So that is very good. I'm glad we were doing the stars thing because we're actually getting, getting it right down to the nitty gritty. You know, and and again, this is something that Eric, Eric Holmes likes to really reiterate when we're doing our reviews. We may give it a rating, but remember, this is our personal opinion of the movie, and we also want to throw in some caveats about, well, 
I may give this movie two and a half stars, but these people, this demographic will like it. Exactly what Bruce did with being the Ricardos. Again, out December 10th in theaters and then also December 21st via Amazon Prime Video. Any final thoughts on being the Ricardos? Anyone? I, I had a question uh, for Bruce, actually, with uh, Nicole Kidman, because I mentioned I'm not a fan of Nicole Kidman. So my bar was like really low. And then when I heard she was playing Lucille Ball, I'm like, oh, no. And then I watched it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. I'm wondering what you thought of Nicole Kidman going in and if maybe that was the opposite of what I had. Maybe, maybe a little bit. I, I don't dislike her. I'm, I'm kind of middle of the road on her. I can I, I just kind of when I see she's in a movie, it doesn't it doesn't steer me either way. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I don't go All like, right. oh no, she's there. I don't go, oh great, it's Nicole Kidman. I just go, okay, well we'll see how it works. <laughs> you know, so All right. so but I mean I guess to a little degree that would be true because if you come in definitely low, she can do nothing but impress you, you know, at that point. So have you guys seriously, have you guys seen her performance in uh Destroyer? Have you seen that? Movie? Right. Destroyer. I haven't seen Destroyer. Oh yeah, she's. Did you like her? Oh, you did not like Destroyer. No. That movie, Bruce. A, that movie is. Oh, are slog. you? Slog. <laughs> that is a slog. Oh my god, it's it's, slog. I, I love. Go back I and love. watch her in Dead Calm, like thirty-four years ago or whatever that was. Go watch her. Oh, yeah, you know what? I did like her in Eyes Wide Shut. So we'll, yeah, we'll, she's good in we'll, that we'll too. We'll give her that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so next up is a movie. It's in theaters. It's a documentary. It's called To What Remains. And this is a very interesting documentary. It's directed by filmmaker Chris Woods. And it follows just, what is the name of the main person behind? I'm going to look it up right now. But it centers on Project Recover. And they're a group of scientists and oceanographers, archaeologists, historians. And what their main job is, is to find the remains of buried in the ocean, in the deep ocean, from World War II. Aircraft, um, they're trying to find... The, it's, it's not actually finding the aircraft or the items. They want to find the uh, soldiers who have passed away, who have in within the waters. And specifically within World War II, there was this battle called the Battle of Pelala or Pelalo or Palu. And for like the last 30 years, they've been trying to find the U.S. servicemen within these waters. And you see, you basically see how over the 30 years their efforts have really increased and you actually get to see throughout the documentary just the family members who get to learn the you know not learn the fates of the servicemen because they know what happened back in World War II but when you get to see their reactions and their connections when they learn that their family member family members remains were were discovered very interesting and inspiring documentary very resonant Eric Holmes, let's start with you. 81-minute documentary. What do you think of To What Remains? I didn't love this one, but I appreciated what the people... I, I appreciated how the people searching for the remains are able to help the families of their... At this point, it's not even... Uh, a lot of times, it's not someone they knew directly. Some of the people it was, but a lot of times it was uh, like ancestors, like great-grandfather or something, you know, grandfather or something like that. Someone that they've never met, but this is someone that's important to them. And then to have uh, these people find the remains and then go to the family and say, hey, we found, this is what we found. And just to, it's weird to see a funeral 70 years after the fact and everyone's so happy because they finally get closure on something. And so sure. on that level, I appreciate it. And I appreciate what the people do. Uh, as a documentary itself, it's, it's good, but it wasn't, I don't think the documentary match... The, the documentary didn't match the awe of what the people did, I think. There's a bunch of cool stuff with how they find them, you know, how they locate the bodies. 
I would have been neat from to go a little more into there. That might have had something to do more with uh, access, perhaps. This is not a bad movie. It's a it's a good documentary. It's just it didn't really hit home for me, but I do appreciate the people for what they do, and I think that there is definitely a uh, there's a group of people that this is going to be right up their alley. This is going to be something they they've wanted to see for a long time, and more importantly, there's probably people that have family members that have been missing for decades and maybe these people help them and you know maybe it's good for them to know that those uh people are available to you know maybe uh, help find some closure or maybe this documentary itself will help people find that closure that's not and again that's not even my story i you know i can't relate to it in that way but i think there's a lot of people that maybe they can and so they're gonna take to this a lot more than i did so you would give this out of three uh five stars maybe two and a half three yeah not, probably, a, not a recommend it, yeah probably three stars it, it it's decent and the the subject matter you know it, it's it all depends on how you feel about the subject matter if it's really important to you this is going to be a five star for you if uh, you, you're not you know it's still enjoyed i suppose but i don't think you'd be over the moon about it a couple of uh, stats for to what remains over 200 aircraft were shot down over palau it's interesting because they they pronounce it Palau sometimes, and they also pronounce it Peleliu, because it's the Battle of Peleliu. But then some people pronounce it Palau, so I'm, I'm assuming it's probably catch as catch can. You can pronounce it either way. Also, more than another stat, more than eighty thousand Americans remain missing. To what remains, very big stat, and uh, and as you know, as one of the the lead the lead person, the lead creator of Project Recover says, not having the answers is wrong. That's one of the main drive behind this team, behind Project Recover. They want to actually make sure the family members get, like Eric says, closure regarding their beloved and late family member. Bruce, your thoughts on to what remains? Uh, very similar to Eric E. Ricardo on this one, and that is uh, the actual documentary itself is really straightforward. Like This is the kind of thing you could see on like PBS or National Geographic or whatever, but it does what it does effectively. Uh, a couple things I would highlight about this one. Uh, I think this could be an excellent supplement. So like, for example, if you had like a new release of Saving Private Ryan or maybe a Band of Brothers, or they did another one that was like, I think the, the South Pacific version, I could see this being an add-on to that that would just give that extra context. And I also do want to call out kind of what Eric called out too, and that is appreciating what they're doing is really great about this because these are people that are spending 20, you know, 20 plus years trying to find these other people who have been lost for, like you said, 70 years. And, you know, we always hear this kind of lip service about support your troops when they were trying to get people to go fight for things. But once people come home, that support your troops thing kind of disappears. So when you see people actually doing something like this, you see people that really are putting you know putting their their feet where their mouth has been before they're really doing the work and i really really appreciate that side of it so i think for that way uh, kind of like eric said as well like the people who this matters to the most i think will get the most out of this so i'm kind of right with him i was like three three star for a documentary but it's for some people will be five star i liked it more than both of you i this is a four star film for me straight ahead documentary and there's nothing really flashy about it the flashiness comes from the actual subject matter itself it's a very interesting and resonant subject matter and i was for 81 minutes i was pretty much transfixed with everything that was going on you get to actually follow 
I, I guess in, in piecemeal form, but you get to see for a moment the lives of several families as they are affected by the discovery. You get to understand a little bit about the team's motivations, especially. I wish they could find the the actual name of the the main person behind this. I'm looking at IMDb. They don't they don't put his name, but he is a very inspiring figure. Like Bruce was saying, he's you know he's basically given his life to this whole cause just to help other people, and this is something that. Yeah, I feel that this is a good standalone documentary just to see how how a group of people are just putting aside their own needs for the needs of others. I thought I was very moved by this documentary. So again, to what remains for me, not a boring moment, was really highly invested. I actually wanted more. I wanted maybe 100 minutes, 120 minutes to learn more about the family members or maybe just I would like to see this continue with some more stuff to see some more discoveries of servicemen in within this island of Palau. Very and also they they travel the island. There's some funerals, like Eric says, and there's some. And then also the guy from Lone Survivor is in here, the main guy who's the, the Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. He's a big part of this documentary as well. I believe his name is Marcus Luttrell, if I if I recall. So again, directed by Christopher Woods. To what remains hits theaters December 10th. Three stars for Eric, three stars for Bruce, for a solid recommend for me. Four stars for me. Yes, Eric. We've often talked, or at least I have, but we've talked about movies that overstay their welcome or like a TV show. It's like, that could have been a movie. That did not need to be seven one-hour episodes. This doesn't need to be a documentary this need like the whole point of this needs to be a series you know every every week you know see who who else who else we're going to uncover what other uh body whatever other remains are they going to bring home to their family this almost because you said that's a good point you said you could have used like an hour more i think that would have helped a lot and and i don't say this often but this really would have been better served as a tv series as opposed to an hour and a half documentary I could see this being Very a yearly a yearly special on Veterans Day. And yeah. every year it's it's what they did that year. Yeah. You know, I wish right? I wish this world would have more money just to put into these documentaries and then they could do these at least these you know, this should be the bare minimum, right? Yearly updates. And hopefully so there's yeah. something hopefully this documentary will bring more of a spotlight and hopefully more funds will be pumped into this organization and maybe who knows? Maybe someone's actually thinking up there and saying, "Hey, let's let's do, let's figure this out. Let's get some more footage and let's update the people who are very interested in this." So, yeah, that is to what remains. So, yeah, very cool. Next up is this movie called Agnes. I don't know. <laughs> this is an okay. This is an interesting movie as far as bias goes. I'm gonna have to say this. I did interview the director, co-writer Mickey Reese. And I also interviewed the actress, the lead actress, Molly C. Quinn. So listeners, I just want to, I'm going to always tell you the truth, my honest opinions of movies, but I want the caveat to that. Just remember, a lot of, a lot of filmmakers, a lot of interviewers can say, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not a biased critic, but there, there is, we're human beings. We'll, we might have a bias. I just want you to know, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to review this movie as an unbiased critic. But I want you guys to also know that I did interview the people. So maybe look at uh, Eric's review and Bruce's review <laughs> with less of a side eye than my review. Okay, let's see what we got to say. Well, Agnes, here, here's how do I start with this? It's it's centri- it's a de- demonic possession film. Supposedly it is. That's what it builds itself to be. And what happens is there is in, in a, I, again, last week we did Benedetta, I believe. That's what it, nuns, what is it, nun, what does it call it? Nunsploitation? How do you say it, Bruce? What's the genre? Nuns? 
Nuns what? Nuns Why do you look at me? Do you think I have like a library of nunsploitation movies? <laughs> I think you got it. I think it is nunsploitation. Nunsploitation. But the, yeah, I mean in a good way. Benedetta. Obviously, uh, by the way, Bruce, on our Cinematics Facebook group, he's counting down the 31 days. Every single day he posts a movie going down to, the, to number one. He's he's listing the his top 31 movies. And you can find that out on our Cinematics Facebook page. Do you know what your last post was for today? Bruce, I didn't get to see it. What was your recent uh, I post of one of your top movies? Yet. Today's has not been posted mm. yet. So yesterday's okay, so that was... will be a surprise. What was yesterday's? What did I post yesterday? I don't even remember. I'm like, I'm like, hey, don't worry. I'm, you, you, you know what? You, I, I, one of, the, I, I remember one of the movies that he loves is Limbo. That's that's one of the movies. And I, oh, you know what, Eric? I think I know what what Bruce is going to post today. He's going to post Mass, M A S S, right? Mass, <laughs> Bruce. I would. I don't think Bruce would. <laughs> I would. Uh, I would. Uh, well, by the way, where does Mass land for you, Eric? Top twenty, top thirty? What What do you think? Right off the right off the top. Uh, I saw it. It was. Uh, they did the consideration for best screenplay, and I think, I think that that's very strong screenplay. So I would hope that would uh, at least be nominated for something. This is pretty high for me. It, it's weird because it's one of those movies I keep forgetting that it was this year. Mass? And then when I hear about it, oh. I'm like, oh, we had that one. I do love that one. This yeah, might be top ten. Oh, Mass! How dare you, Eric? How how dare yeah. you and I agree on all so many things? I agree with you on Mass. I, I just wish. Well, yeah, I think Bruce kind of likes it more than we do. Bruce, was I, am I wrong about Mass? Or do you, do you go to Mass? Do you like <laughs> <laughs> listeners? Bruce is being silent because we, if you listen to a past episode, he was not a big fan of Mass. So that this was before our star system. If we had a star system, I'm assuming Eric would give Mass five stars. I would give Mass five stars. And but um bump, Bruce would give Mass. What would Bruce give Mass? Two and a half. Two and a half. Fair. Okay. Now he, regarding Agnes. Okay, Agnes centers the titular character. Agnes, she's a nun. She has a meltdown in the middle of other nuns during dinner. And they think there's a demonic possession. She's possessed by a demon. So what happens is they call the, I guess, a hierarchy in this Catholic church. They call a, a priest, a pastor to actually, and his assistant to go out and go, go out to this convent and figure out what's going on with Agnes. And this, this, this the lead pastor, he's He's pretty played by Ben Hall. He knows his way around an exorcism. Supposedly, he knows the rites. So he supposedly knows what he's doing. And then he also brings his protege with him. And that protege is Jake Horowitz. You might know Jake Horowitz as the lead in The Vast of Night. So they go to the convent. They try to, I guess, take the demon out of Agnes. And you think that's going to be the movie. That should be the movie. But then it completely goes a different way. The second half is completely different. And then what? what I'm, we, I don't know what to say about the second half. Let's just say... That it changes directions and it, the narrative shifts to another person in the convent played by Molly C. Quinn. And it, ultimately, she becomes the lead of the movie. I've seen a lot of movies and this is one of the top movies that makes such a very big shift. I was absolutely thinking, what the bleep is going on? And I was pretty excited because this movie takes a lot of interesting gambles. Do those gambles work? I don't know. I'm going to tell you guys in a second. Most importantly, I want to hear what Eric Holmes, what do you have to say about Agnes? What do you think about Agnes? Well, I talked about with Aaron Sorkin's scripts how every one of his characters, even though it has his voice and cadence, every one of his characters has a point of view and a motivation. And those point of views, whether you agree with them or not, are real strong, as are their motivations. And I didn't quite feel that with this one. Uh, the motivations 
felt I don't know how to explain this. It almost felt like the uh the writer had kind of an idea of what their motivations could be without fully understanding what the motivations actually would be with a character like that. And actually I did hear the uh the interview with the director and he mentioned that he didn't want to take one side with the with regards to the religion, he didn't want to take one side or another. He kind of wanted to just let the let the thing show. And I think that's to the movie's detriment. I don't think that was a good move on his part. Um, I understand why he would do that, but it just didn't work. Because instead of, look, you don't have to take a side, but the characters need to take a side. Because characters have opinions. And to write the opinions well, you need to understand those opinions. And if your point of view going in is oh, I'm not going to have a strong opinion, then you're not going to give characters strong opinions, and therefore nothing really lands. And the characters, their motivations don't feel real, and they don't feel earned. And I think that's the biggest problem with this movie. It was definitely interesting, and I think maybe with uh, maybe reconsidering what it was they were trying to say, and maybe focusing on that a little more, and doing another, you know, taking another rewrite or another pass, and really trying to make the characters real people instead of caricatures. Caricatures. <laughs> that the yeah. word I'm trying to say that you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think if they would have spent more time with the characters and made them real people, or at the very least... You know, they can still be silly and over the top, but give them some real motivation. And I think this movie works a lot better when it comes to that. And overall, this movie didn't work for me. I had some interesting ideas and I applied them for trying something. I just think that what they tried didn't quite work. Okay, cool. We're gonna get to your. We're gonna do a roundabout regarding the stars. We're gonna mix it up a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna get to your star rating in a second. Bruce, do you agree with Eric Holmes regarding his assessment on Agnes? I I do. Uh, This this movie is all over the place, and I like once again I appreciate the uh, the attempt to do something different. But this almost felt like a movie where they wrote it by a game of telephone. You know, it's almost like. One person wrote part the beginning and they handed it to the next person. They wrote three or four more pages and they wrote to someone else five more pages because the tone just, I mean, it started out, was it like a satire? Sometimes it was goofy, almost like a parody of of these movies. And then other times I felt like it was going to be some indictment of the church. And then, like you said, it goes into this total drama, personal story of this other nut i didn't understand where it was going and why it was going there i remember even eric talked to me offline about his thoughts about it i'm like i don't even have that many thoughts about it because i was honestly confused what this movie was getting at and then it just felt like it kind of ended i just kind of threw my hands up i was like i didn't hate it and i had there was little bits and pieces in there that i kind of enjoyed and i thought oh that's kind of interesting let's just do some more of that oh no we're gonna go do something else now and it kept introducing new characters and and also, it had some weird connection to the James Gunn universe. I don't know what that's all about because it's got his brother and it's got Taserface in here. I, I don't know why that's happening. So that confused me. I don't know. It's it's a mess. So this is Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, this is canon? I think even uh, Molly C. Quinn is in one of the Guardians of the Galaxies, too. There's like at least three people in here, I think, that are yeah. part of the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. I don't know what that's all about. Again, I, I do come with bias with this. I ended up, because it has this gumbo feel to it, and it's very discordant, and it doesn't feel like everything gels. And it is piecemeal, because it's all over the place. And it, I end up enjoying it. 
I'm going to recommend this movie. I'm going to recommend this movie because it is not a demon possession movie. It has moments of it. It's not a comedy. It has real moments of comedy. It is not a a relationship drama. It has moments of that. It is not a, a document on faith, which is Eric was alluding to, but it has moments of that vis-a-vis a, a, a long monologue about a sandwich regarding faith. There are so many different things in Agnes, which... A lot of people will say separate but equal. I think it's separate, but ultimately, all those little pieces jumbled together made it a good good enough meal for me. It didn't answer all... Okay, flaw is it didn't answer all the questions that it should have answered, which I'm not going to get to, But and I felt that was a little bit of a disappointment. But I felt like Agnes, to me, was a narrative puzzle box that I was interested in, and I, I forgave it for a lot of the things that did not answer. Maybe the director, Mickey Reese, is wanting us to answer... Those that puzzle for ourselves if we want to answer that. So, okay, let's do a round. So I recommend Agnes. So my, my rating for Agnes is three and a half stars. Eric, your, your rating on Agnes? I'd probably do uh, two. Although if this didn't come out like the same week as Benedetta, it might have bumped up to a three, which I think is another <laughs> thing that not the movie's fault, but... Dude, when you get a when you come out with a, a nun movie and then Paul Verhoeven's got one that same week, it's like motherfucker, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's two for Eric Holmes. Bruce, what do you got? What do you give it? Two. Two stars for Eric Holmes. So two for Eric, two for Bruce, and three and a half for me. And look, you know what? On my email, I'm not gonna humble brag. I'm just gonna brag. I just got a screening link to West Side Story. So f you both. I'm gonna leave right now, and I'm gonna watch. Maria. I just met a girl named Maria. How's that? What do you guys think about that? Because I know Steven Spielberg. You know why? Because Steven Spielberg is Anderson's favorite filmmaker of all time. And I'm so excited to see West Side Story. Bruce Brokey, are you excited to see West Side Story? I'm sure it's going to be really surprising. You're not going to have any idea what's going to happen. It's going to just amaze you with this uniqueness. Just remember, Eric and Bruce, there's a place for us, somewhere a place for us, okay? Peace and quiet and open air, you know? So I'm excited about West Side Story. Can I tell you a little bit of a secret, listeners, regarding the uh, awards consideration every year? What happens for critics like me, all of the big movies, they won't send out the screeners until two or three days before you have to vote. So they basically burden you to actually watch their bleeping film within two or three days because they know that they're the top dogs of the of the whole pile and so that's a little bit of a sneaky strategy which i personally don't like yes bruce i'm just going to tell them because i know they really care the reason i'm putting out my 31 movies now is that if you're in this late to get in the awards you're not getting on my list by the way (laughs) the one i did yesterday was coda coda is what i did yesterday coda oh that coda yes we love coda to bruce's point though that does bug me when uh, you got the uh nominees for best picture and they weren't widely available until like February. It's like, no, no, that's 2022 yeah. now. <laughs> I don't care I just if they're got... played in one theater. This is a 2022 movie. In the last two days, I've got, I've received Cyrano. I've received The Tragedy of Macbeth. And now I've received West Side Story. And also that, what's that? Uh, yeah, Nightmare Alley. So it's, I, I don't. I don't know how I'm going to watch all that stuff. I really don't. Because you know why? I I don't have time to watch it because I'm too busy watching movies like National Champions, which comes out on Friday. It's directed by Rick Roman. I blame Eric Holmes for making us see National Champions because he's a fan of Rick Roman. Well, actually, so am I. And Bruce, are you a fan of Rick Roman? I have no idea who Rick Roman is. Who? 
Who is Rick Rubin? What? what? He did Greenland. Rick Rubin? Greenland, man. Oh, Come that's on. right. We did talk about that. Angel yeah. has fallen. What the angel has fallen? What's that? The one? The angel has fallen thing? Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, and, I like yeah. those. I forgot that he was the guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rick Roman. Okay, so this movie is called National Champions. We're still twenty four hours away from the national title game. Wolves quarterback Lamarcus James should be the best quarterback to come into the NFL since Patrick Mahomes. And you know who agrees with me on that? Miami. They're poised to take him number one overall for about $35 million guaranteed. But we are not talking enough about Wolves coach James Lazor. One of the best coaches we've seen, but he has never won the big game. We're live. I am joined by LaMarcus James, who won this year's Heisman Trophy. A revolutionary banging on my adversary. This is the home of my best friend and teammate, Emmett Sunday. Tomorrow he'll play in a game that'll gross over a half a billion dollars. But Emmett won't see a dime. And just like the other 12,000 draft eligible players that don't make the NFL every year, his football days will be over. Zero compensation, zero medical insurance for all the injuries he sustained. My coach, James Lazor receives an annual salary of $5 million. The commissioners of the top five power conferences receive an average salary of $4 million each year. The president of the NCAA received a salary of $3.9 million last year. So I'm personally asking all players in Monday's national title game to join me in this boycott to demand that the NCAA will recognize players as paid employees and not student athletes. Jesus. Coach, I think it's best if the NCAA took the reins here. LaMarcus is a good person. We squander a $600 million payday for tomorrow alone. Anybody around us got private jets and private chefs. You got insurance? What you gonna fix your broken body with, huh? He makes a compelling argument, and I know I stand behind him. The reality is he's got so much to lose. Do not let LaMarcus rob you of your legacy. My football team will play for me. You two cannot unionize college sports, and that's a fact. Four players just tweeted, we're in. With the hashtag, fix the system. It ain't just two of us no more. And that's a fact. Who really won this? Like, who really won that man that say he won? Like, we gotta stick together on this, fellas. If he sits, they gonna Kaepernick him like you. LaMarcus leaked my Nike contract. These boycotts have gained a lot of momentum. What happens to all of the other sports that are not men's football and basketball? When they start paying you. Everybody doing it. Everybody doing it. Marcus is standing toe-to-toe with the behemoth, and we haven't even begun to fight. Glory is at hand. God is with us. He says there is nothing to lose. Glory is yours. I am here, and there is nothing to fear. Glory is ours. It starts right now. It starts right here. Take it. It's three days before the college football national championship game. It is set in New Orleans. The top quarterback on one team, his name is LaMarcus James. He's played by Stephen James from Beale Street. For what if uh, what's a Beale Street movie? What is it called? If I was going to say, if these walls could talk, if Beale Street what is could Beale, talk, if Beale Street could talk, very good. Thank you, Eric Holmes. And also, he was also in Homecoming. So Stephen James plays the quarterback. LaMarcus James, his best friend, is teammate. Emmett Sunday, played by Alexander Ludwig, and they stage a boycott. Boycott, not boy, boy out, boycott. They stage a boycott. They don't want to play in the national championship game. 
because they believe not even though they're the top of the ladder athletes and basically the LaMarcus James is promised to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He's thinking about his fellow teammates and not just his fellow teammates, the, all the other student athletes who are not getting paid and he believes should get paid, should get paid under the NC2A rules, especially within the confines of NC2A football. It's a multi-billion dollar business. How come some of that money isn't trickling down to the most, probably the most deserving, which is the student athletes. Why aren't they getting paid? And LaMarcus James and his buddy Emmett, they decide, decide to actually stage that boycott, boycott and get some of their teammates involved in trying to not play the national championship game. That is National Champions, directed by Rick Roman Waugh. The coach is played by Whiplash actor J.K. Simmons. We just recently talked about J.K. Simmons from being the Ricardos. And also Kristen Chenoweth plays the coach's wife and our buddy justified actor Timothy Oliphant. He plays a philosophy teacher who also gets into the mix of things. Lil Rel Howry from Get Out. He also stars as the assistant coach. And our buddy from old old Henry Tim Blake Nelson plays one of the boosters, one of the multi-million dollar earning boosters in national champions. Bruce Perky. I don't know if you're an NC2A football fan, sports fan, football fan. Did this movie work for you? Yes. Actually, it did work for me. I was surprised that it worked for me. This is the best Aaron Sorkin movie we watched this week because if you were to tell me... Love it, Bruce. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. If you were to tell me this is an Aaron Sorkin project, I would not be surprised because it has all the hallmarks. Maybe not in some of the dialogue, the style of the dialogue, but this is not a super visual movie. This is not a really cinematic movie. This is a movie about ideas. It's about boardroom back dealings. It's about, you know, press conferences. It's about all of this kind of intrigue that almost is some ways trial-like as well, where people are debating ideas. So some people will just definitely not be on board because it's that kind of movie. But I thought the energy here was really good. And the ideas were extremely pertinent. I'm sure it's no surprise that they're putting this out the week of the college football championship, you know, rankings coming to play. Uh, and just the way that all of the the money and all of the, the dealings and all of the kind of, they get into the racial aspect of it, which is obvious, but well pointed out in this movie. I also wanted to point out, I don't know if you mentioned her. Uzo I think her name Aduba. Uzo, Uzo Aduba. Yeah. Playing, she's kind of the... The, the hit woman that kind of goes behind the scenes to do all the stuff. She's excellent in this movie. I thought she was really good. And I do. Also she's like the fixer, that, like the fixer, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's really great. There's a ton of conversations and monologues. JK Simmons, I mean, has a, several great moments in this movie. I think if you're down for this type of movie, it's solid. If you're not, then it just might not be for you style wise. You know what I mean? But I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And I think it's, it's surprisingly one of the more, I think, incite, incisive, incisive, insightful, insightful, probably, um, yeah. movies about the racial condition and money and what's going on in America today in a, in a setting you don't necessarily think about. And I think that was really interesting. You know what's really interesting about National Champions, and we're going to get to you, Eric, about this. It could have been a lot more flashy. Rick Roman Wah, we did. We talked about Greenland, right? We could have made it uh, the big title game, make it really flashy and a lot of really just showman. He, he could have brought some of his just technical know-how and showmanship to the proceedings, but he didn't. He could have done so many things with national champions, but he just kept it as is, just as a just as a drama. 
it has a theme to it. It brings up an issue and they tackle it from so many different sides. So I really appreciated that about national champions. Eric Holmes, you wanted us to actually review this. This was your movie to review. Was this a movie that you were disappointed by or did you end up really loving? Well, so Roman Waugh took a stupid idea with Greenland and elevated it. Like that, that, that was just Greenland should not have been as good as it was. And I think a lot of it, we might have pulled something out there that wasn't there. And I was worried that might be the case. And then I saw this. And he took a great idea and just knocked it out of the park. The idea of basically kids going through college football. And this is like, you know, turned into like a billion dollar industry. And the kids aren't allowed to make any money. And they're also constantly in danger of injuring themselves to where they can't play anymore for the rest of their lives. Um, the thing they went to college for to do you know, and they don't even have anything as simple as healthcare. Like the, and I've never heard a great argument against this. I've heard that we don't pay college players. Why not? Well, they got a, you know, they got a scholarship. Okay, well that's cool, but you have what are you doing with the other billions of dollars? <laughs> right. And I've never heard a good argument against that. Until I watch this movie, which is another great thing this movie does. It, it takes both sides and you get to see, you don't, it doesn't straw man anything. It gives you real points of view. Now, I still don't agree with that other side. But another thing I really appreciate about this movie is that it's, it's fictional, but I think it gives people a blueprint on how to pull this off. If you, like we talked about, like uh, they come out with uh, documentaries and it's like, I wish this would change the world, but it probably won't. This movie probably could change the world, like at least college football, because all you need is a one-star athlete to watch this. This movie gets big within his group of friends are watching this. Like, you know what? Fuck it. This is the year. And just like that, all of a sudden, you know, college football players or just college sports players in general, at the very least, would go to the negotiating table. We want health care. We want life insurance. We want what, whatever it is you want. I mean, they're not all going to make millions of dollars. But at the very least, you know, the, there can start to be negotiations, which is like I don't follow this too much outside of the movie. I just kind of sort of know. Like the, this is also a movie that honestly we shouldn't be reviewing. This is a movie they should be reviewing on ESPN because <laughs> yeah. they know far more about this sort of stuff than we do. But I mean, is is I I give this a high rank, man. I don't even give this five stars. I give this a perfect six out of nine stars. And you and, uh, Let's get perfect six out of nine stars. <laughs> and uh, the the this movie, I I hope this movie blows up. I really do because I think if the right people see this, this is the movie that could actually make positive change. At, at the very least, get not just get the conversation started because people have been talking about this forever, but get a real conversation started, get negotiations starting, and you know, start planning things. Yeah, this movie just knocked the idea out of the park, and I'm glad it exists. And hopefully, a lot of people see this. So, five stars for Eric Holmes, six Bruce. Nine. What do you give Perfect. it? Six point six point nine. How about you, Bruce? I, what'd you give it? I'll probably give it four stars. I mean, it isn't as cinematic and it doesn't have some of those things that I just want for rewatchability in a movie, but that's the only thing holding it back. Well, that, and there's a little, a subplot about an affair that I did not need in this movie at all. Um, well, but other than, I know why it was there. I understand, yeah. but I, I didn't really need it. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of extra, but other than that, I, I, I 
I really liked it, and I agree with everything that Eric says as far as its its impact that it could have. I also did you feel like this too, Eric? And and then I'll shut up. Didn't you feel like some of the actual professional um, athletes that appeared in this, like almost like, oh boy, you're gonna get you're gonna get in trouble for doing that? You know, like yeah. you shouldn't do that. Well, actually, because <laughs> when I the when I flagged this on uh, Cinematics, which we were on uh, last week, so go check that out yeah. in the Cinematics feed. <laughs> but anyway, when the one of the reasons when I before I flagged this, I saw the trailer, so I saw the real athletes on there, the ones I recognize anyway, and so I actually had to look up to see if this happened or not. Like I thought this right? was based on a thing that actually happened, which also just goes to show how how detailed and how uh you know how much care they put into putting this movie together, and then to find out that it was all fictional, you know, just made me even that much more impressed by it. Yeah, so that's five five for for Eric, and then four stars for me, and four stars for you, Bruce. So yeah, that is it, national champions, and it comes out on Friday, December tenth. Let me look. Right here for the actual, yes, in theaters nationwide on Friday, December 10th. Hopefully, you guys will be able to check National Champions. Again, you don't, I don't know if you need to be a huge football fan. You're not a huge football fan, Bruce. You like the drama behind it and what it had to say. So I think this is, Bruce, pretty much a universal kind of movie in in many ways on a dramatic sense. It's universal, and I think it's a highly topical political movie in a lot of ways, but without it being a bunch of politicians it's actual people that are dealing with it so i think that's what made it really strong as well i'd so. also like to put a call out for anyone listening to this maybe on the on the cinematics facebook thing if you follow sports like you watch this and you know your shit about this i would lo- love to hear the opposite of the uh dig more yes. into the, the opposite take on this yeah i really appreciated how not only was it, you know, specifically in the, you know, college football arena and the politics of that, but I mean, really this kind of, in a in a sideways way, gets into some really important, like, now politics as far as just how we're treating people and, and, and how, you know, how we're doing things like that in the world without getting into actual politicians and it staying at the the level of the people that are in the trenches of this situation so i really enjoyed that cool that is national champions again friday december 10th you know what let us go to eric you have a recommendation and that what tell us what your recommendation is and is it a christmas movie eric yes you've heard of the song jingle all the way well this isn't jingle all the way this is single all the way so you get it you get it (laughs) now this is a movie uh (laughs) streaming on netflix Directed by Michael Mayer, written by yep. Chad Hodge, and it's a uh, it's a uh, silly uh, saccharine Christmas rom com. But the the two people that are getting together are uh, two gay men, and they're best friends, and everyone knows that they should be together. And well, they are one they they totally get back they totally get together. Sorry, spoilers, but you totally get the, <laughs> like the, the, these types. You know of what's movies, gonna happen. These type of movies don't rely on will they get together. You know what's going to happen. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Like these type of movies are teases. But uh, you know what? I've been eating these type of movies up lately. <laughs> Between uh, a Castle for Christmas and now this one, and I think I think this one works mostly. <laughs> This one yeah. works mostly because the uh, chemistry between the Peter and Nick, played by Michael Yuri and Philemon Chambers. That, okay. 
their chemistry is out of control. Like just amazing. There, there's a there's a scene where he's taking pictures of them, and he's like, "Here, just blow into the camera so I can see your breath." Because he's gonna take a he's taking like these Christmas. He does like uh, pictures for like a magazine or something, and yeah. he wants to get a picture of him just going, you know, blowing stuff. And then like he looks at him, and then the sparks are flying, and I'm feeling the sparks. <laughs> And but see Peter, he meets another guy named James, played by uh, Luke McFarlane, and uh, his his mom. Oh, his mom, played by Kathy Najimy. I forgot She's how great. much I love Kathy Najimy. I've awesome. not seen her probably yeah. since Hocus Pocus, maybe after <laughs> that. But it, it's, it, I forgot how much I love her, and she's great in this. And Stifler's mom's in it, and she's pretty much a uh, okay, cool. She's just awesome. close to becoming an actual rapist in the movie, but that's kind of <laughs> for some reason when Stifler's mom does it, it's cute, and I can't quite explain why. But she's uh, very good. The James character that uh, that Peter um, is on a blind date with, like this is the part where it's like, oh, you're supposed to be with that guy, so this guy needs to be the asshole. Right. But James isn't an asshole. James is like a you know total catch. So it's like, oh, how are you going to get rid of him? And, yeah, this this movie's really fun. Probably not going to be for everyone, but um, okay. You see, it's like Jingle all the way, but he's single, so <laughs> it's single all the <laughs> way. <laughs> no, th- this movie's just fun, and also I I just like that it's uh I believe the directors gay, the lead the lead actors are gay, and so this is like you know it it's a uh, it's a uh, pro gay movie but it's not like the brokeback mountain or this is the most important movie that you will ever see it's like hey it's a it's a, it's a you know cotton candy movie we can have those too and this this does it and i had a lot of fun with it and so i hope you do too well listeners if you want some fluffy christmas movies that have a lot that have it's like sugary sweet Go hit up Eric Holmes at hamslam at gmail.com. He is our resident expert when it comes to these movies. Yes, Eric Holmes. There, I could be wrong about this, but who's the guy I think was on Old School, the, the Dan Band? Oh. I, I think he makes an appearance in this. Okay. There's, if it's not him, it's someone that's a lot like him, but I think it's the same guy. Okay. And yeah, they, this movie has a bunch of cool, fun uh, cameos and surprises as well. Check it out. Four, and four turn, stars turn for you, Eric? Yeah, this would probably be four stars for yeah. most of our listeners. It might be two, but you know what? Turn on your for heart you. light. Turn on your heart light. Get that, bump that two up. Get those numbers. <laughs> Turn on your heart light. Okay, four, four stars for Eric Holmes. You're single all the way. It is currently streaming, I believe, on Netflix, right, Eric? Netflix for yeah. single all the way? Yep. Okay, cool. Bruce, what is your see, recommend? See, it's, okay. not, it's like jingle all the way, but he's single, so it's single all the way. I don't, I don't know if you guys way. get the pun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's a joke, but... Yes, yeah, single it, or it, jingle. It went over which my like head better? the first couple of times, but I finally you, got it. Single or jingle, which you like better? Which movie you like better? Single or jingle? Oh, single all the way by a lot. Oh, single. Oh, my gosh, Eric Holmes. It's so weird. He's the most excited when it comes to reviewing this week. Not just being in the Ricardos. For some reason, I have a feeling he would give single all the way a perfect 6.9 out of <laughs> 6.9 stars. Bruce, what is your recommendation for this week? Well, I also am bringing a Christmas movie to the hmm. show, which I suggested on the most recent cinematics. If you want to go back and listen to that, that was one of the things that I said we should maybe check out. And that is the Shutter movie, The Advent Calendar. <laughs> perfect christmas movie um it's a french something co-production and it's uh the main character is ava and she's played by eugenie durand she is really good in this movie she plays a paraplegic character ex-dancer 
She's now uh, wheelchair bound. And her friend at the beginning returns from Germany and has brought her this gift of this advent calendar. It's this German, like, almost looks like a like a big old cuckoo clock. You know, it's a big wooden box with all these doors in it. And on the back, it has rules. And it basically, in German, says, if you eat the first candy, you have to eat all the candies, or I will kill you. You have to follow all the rules, or I will kill you. <laughs> you want to play a game. <laughs> Pretty much. So, so it kind of starts with that. Each candy has an effect on her life that she doesn't exactly know at first what the effect will be. Um, and as it starts to progress, she starts to, to actually believe that it's doing these things and that there might be good effects and there might be bad effects. Um, kind of a little bit like a genie in that sense. And it is surprisingly well done, surprisingly solid. Her acting really anchors it. It doesn't get too violent, but it has real stakes. Uh, and it kind of, at the same time, is a bit of a a good kind of dark fairy tale in a sense, you know, where you have, you know, rules and results and magic and all this stuff happening. It's it's a really, really solid, surprisingly good movie. I really liked it a lot. Three and a half? Four? Yeah, right in that range. I, I kind of lean a little more towards three and a half. It isn't spectacular. I personally would have liked it if it was a little more over the top. But I think for the average viewer, it's kind of wise that it isn't. So about three and a half. It's it's good. Good, and thank you, Bruce. I I should have opened it because there was an, yeah, not like you have time, but there was they were the director behind the advent calendar and the main star were available for interviews. That's what happens when I don't open my emails, Bruce. My fault regarding the this, advent calendar. Hey, yes. Hey, Greg, can you check real quick? Is uh, Aaron Sorkin available for interviews? <laughs> <laughs> did I, wait, did I tell you what happened to me today, guys? No. Mm-mm. I went to the dentist, okay, and this is for you two listeners. This is inside baseball, but hopefully you guys like baseball and national championships and national champions <laughs> or champions. But anyways, I had I had to actually have a crown on my tooth. I, I'm, I'm getting the crown probably in a couple of weeks. They put it in a temporary crown. And I told... I I turned off my phone for about two hours. It was I thought I was only going to be an hour. The procedure lasted about two two and a half hours. And when I went, I I left the dental office. I went bought my lunch. I went home and I'm eating my food. I'm like, okay, I'm glad that's done. That was a long thing. And I opened up my email and it says, Greg, we just last minute we we got you a a, a five minute interview with uh, Tick Tick Boom actor Andrew Garfield if you want. And it happened. <laughs> All the way while I was getting my procedure done. So apologies to Netflix. Apologies to Andrew Garfield. Tick, tick, boom. Highly endorsed by me. One of my favorites this year. And highly endorsed. I'm putting words in his mouth, folks. By Eric Holmes. Correct, Eric Holmes? Yes. Not quite as good as Single All the Way. Because you see, it's like Jingle All the Way. (laughs) But uh, yes, very good. Eric Holmes also really enjoyed Tick, tick, boom. We, I, there's a reason why I'm not mentioning Bruce Perky in this little conversation regarding tick, tick, boom. <laughs> different courses for horses or different horses for courses. Tomato, 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 tomato. So that said, let us close the show with a – wait, we don't close the show without some music. What's our music this week? Is it the same music, Eric? I think Who's so. going to be our musician this week? Uh, I believe our musician is Pete Abeta. Um, hey, what is yo, yo, Pete, could you drop that beat? Please drop that beat, Pete. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? Okay, Bruce, what do we got this week? 
Well, <laughs> we have huh? a really obscure little art house movie from Indonesia called Casablanca, I think. From Indonesia. From Indonesia. The the night comes for us. What what's from Indonesia? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is um, Matt Stillman was was like absolutely no, no, no. a I'm going to I'm going to interrupt right now. Before yeah. we go in what's in the box. Matt Stillman is a member of our Cinematics Facebook group. The last 3 to 4 years I've been telling members of our Facebook group that I am going to watch 500 movies a year. I've failed like 3 times already. Matt, by the way, by as we're speaking right now, is aiming for 600 movies. He's going to get to 600 movies by the end of the month. So congratulations to our buddy Matt Stillman for basically hitting 600. We're, 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 it's it's uh, it's pretty much a done deal. Okay, sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. No, that's good. <laughs> he was appalled when it came up for what to put in the box. That I think at some point I had said like, well, I don't think I've ever really watched this one. I think Wong Kar Wai is the other one that was everyone's appalled by. <laughs> but uh, Casablanca, I'd never seen all the way through, so I'm like, you know what? Let's put it in the box. So it came up. So there you go. Uh, this is available all over the place. I watched it on Hulu, yeah. and I mean, you can find it. Everyone knows yeah. Casablanca. Uh, Michael Curtis. Who has come up recently on my on my recommendations because I recommended um, Mystery of the Wax Museum, the really old right. one, and he also did Doctor X, which I talked about before. He's done a ton of movies, of course. If you look at his IMDb, it's insane. He was one of those early workman uh, directors, and then of course he makes like one of the most classic movies of all time with Casablanca. So, what the heck can I say about Casablanca? And I know that. Eric can chime in too because he watched it as well. Well, we don't even have to talk about the plot. Do we even have to talk yeah. about the plot? The World War Instead of Morocco, no. World War Two mismatched lovers. You know the guy who owns Casablanca. That's uh, that's Rick, played by Humphrey yeah. Bogart. Uh, Ingmar Bergman is his long lost love, but now she's married to a, a resistance dude, played by I think I forgot what his name, Paul Heinrich maybe. And anyways, called uh, Claude Rains. Well, not Claude Rains. Uh, who's who plays the inspector? There's someone who's oh, play, who plays the um, inspector. Yeah, Claude Rains, right? Is that Claude Rains? Yeah, Claude Rains. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's that's right. Yeah, he's a Captain a, Renault. And then yeah, and and then riding out the ensemble is I believe uh, Peter Lorre and Sidney Greenstreet. So that's it. Yep. That's a plot line. And, okay. Yeah, pretty much. I and mean, uh, Dooley so we'll Wilson. Our, Dooley Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just say our impressions, I guess, or things that kind of struck us. Um, one thing I had mentioned, I'd put in the, our little comments was I, one thing that I thought was really hilarious in the trivia comments was that <laughs> I guess in the early thousands. Madonna was pushing really hard to remake this movie with herself in the Ingrid uh, <laughs> Ingrid Bergman role. Ingmar. And- Ingmar Bergman. Get your Ingrid's right. Get your Ingmar's right, Bruce. You must remember this. It's not- <laughs> so- I'm so I'm so spaced. It's Bergman Island. I've been thinking about You know why? You know why it got me confused, Bruce? Because we were talking about Bergman Island. I was thinking about Ingmar Bergman. It's Ingrid Bergman. You and I both love Bergman Island so much and we talked about it. I'm 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 just confused. My fault, folks. I was, like, I was going to say something, but I'm not the Bergman expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Single all the way, part one. <laughs> single all the way, but I See, apologize. It's like jingle it's, all the way. <laughs> it's Ingrid Bergman. We were talking about Ingmar Bergman because we both love Bergman Island. Go ahead, Bruce. Let, I'm going to shut up now. So anyway, um, the, Madonna wanted to have herself and Ashton Kutcher <laughs> starring in a remake of this movie. I do not know how they ever even thought that was a possibility. Anyway, uh, impressions. I mean... There's a couple things that really struck me that I didn't know until I watched this all the way through. And one thing that really struck me is there's this, the giant extended sequence in the beginning part of this movie in Rick's, where you're just going all around the 
all around and meeting all the characters and there's kind of this just hustle and bustle and i mean i was like wow this is like this is like early scorsese or something the way this is rolling out because he's just juggling like all of these characters introducing them all in this giant crowd of people and making it all work and i can see how amazing that was to kind of get this kind of cavalcade and also make it all make sense and it engages you with this world in a very quick way i also was really struck by i never really my brain had never really connected it so strongly on how much isabella rosalini as a young woman was like her mom and seeing seeing her in this role i was just like oh my god they sound the same they look the same it's it's incredible and it's just i mean it's just solid storytelling and what can you say about this movie it's a freaking great script um, there's so many one-liners, as everyone knows, but it's also kind of got that interesting, kind of that rat-a-tat sort of thing going on. There's a lot of banter in here as well. It's just a great movie. What can you say? Everyone knows it. Eric, you concur? Yes, it was good. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think uh, th- this is kind of like similar to Gone with the Wind for me. I Actually, no, because I actually didn't like Gone with the Wind. This one I did kind of like. I didn't love it, but uh, I, I kind of put this up there with like Citizen Kane. Where it's like, uh, um, although I don't know if the behind the scenes, like how Citizen Kane is like a pretty cool movie, but it's more impressive with what it introduced into the film language. I don't know enough about Casablanca to know what it introduced and, you know, how it is historically within that context. But uh, I do kind of liken it to Citizen Kane as far as a movie goes. Um, you know, it's 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 entertaining it's a good story but then to look at it with uh oh this is one of the classics of all time like i kind of had to get that out of my head because i was like this is good but geez what what's everyone freaking out about but uh the ending was really good though i did love the ending well the ending's a, a classic we're not going to spoil what the ending is but it's all it's all about i mean being i think everyone knows i knew what the ending was <laughs> and i only <laughs> seen pieces of it um and, and, and that, I guess that was another cool part because I, I have seen most of this movie. I don't think I've seen all of it, but, uh, you know, uh, you get those movies where you see, like, bits and pieces of it and just kind of get a lot of it through osmosis. And then when you finally watch it, you get to see how all the pieces come together. And that that's kind of kind of fun. But, I'll be honest, yeah, I haven't it, seen... Yeah, yeah they, I haven't... This, is a, this is a good movie. Uh, if you're like me and you're like, all right, impress me, and you're crossing your arms, I don't think it's going to go that far. But I think he still might like it, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's it's a movie that's really not up your alley, Eric, or Bruce. It's really not up. That's kind of up your alley in a sense because you, I think yeah, you like really movie history. You like, Yeah, you liked it. Yeah. But I think for you, Eric, I mean, it's like Citizen Kane, you mentioned Gone with the Wind. There's certain movies that you just have to watch because it's part of the lexicon of cinema, cinema language. Yeah. There's another movie that I think, I think down the road, I'm not saying next week, but down the road, I, I need both of you to really watch. It's this movie called Hangover Square. It was released in 1945 and it's right up, Bruce, it's right up your alley and Eric, it's right up your alley because it's 1945 and it has a lot of really interesting things about it. And the caveat to that is, not the caveat, the added bonus is it's one of late composer late playwright not playwright late what yeah composer playwright singer songwriter musician whatever icon steven sondheim it's one of his favorite movies and it's hard hardly anyone has seen this movie it's called hangover square i saw it and the ending is amazing i can't wait for you guys to see it i believe 
it might be stream it might be available on YouTube. I don't know if it's a really good didn't, copy or not, but I'm didn't obsessed. Didn't Sondheim just die or, or just passed yeah, passed away about I think maybe last week, Bruce, maybe a week, week and a half ago. So Yeah. He just why. died like right about the same time as Tick Tick Boom came out because it was all yeah. of the same time period. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is Casablanca. I'm assuming, uh, you know, Bruce, we don't even have to rate that. That's like a four and a half for you, I'm guessing, at least, or a four. Yeah, I think four. it's probably a four and a half for me. I mean, it's it, it doesn't have that place in my heart that it probably has for people that have grown up with it. But I definitely see the amazingness of it. And I would say, Eric, there probably is just about as much interesting history in this one if we dug into it. Because just a little bit I dug into, yeah. there was a lot of really interesting stuff behind the scenes. Just the stuff between... Bogart and Ingrid Bergman and Bogart's wife like was super jealous. So tried to keep them apart on set and they were like mean to each other. And there was all this stuff about him being too short. So they had to always be putting him up on like boxes and things. And this there's a lot of weird stuff. Invented Apple boxes. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff in here about that, that I, I thought was pretty fascinating. You could, there's like, I don't know, 30 pages of trivia. If you want to read it, I eventually yeah. stopped, but it's pretty cool. I, th- I think with the with the um, Citizen Kane, it's more the you know the deep focus, like the the technical aspects of filmmaking that it Citizen Kane essentially invented. I didn't know if there was any of that with Casablanca. There may be, but I I have no idea. I think I think it just goes back to Bruce's point. It's just a really good, well told sto- story. Directed by, like you said, a Hollywood craftsman in Michael Curtiz. You can actually look at the body of work of Michael Curtiz and look at his movies. They're not as popular as Casablanca, but I remember several years ago there was a book detailing how underrated a filmmaker Michael Curtiz is. Bruce mentioned a couple of movies that he recommended here on Find Your Film Podcast. While we were while you guys were doing the reviews, there's another movie I love called The Hangman, starring I believe Robert. Taylor, I believe, Robert Taylor, and Tina Louise from Gilligan's Island. That's a Western that I just just love. So I'm assuming if you go A to A to Z through Michael Curtiz's work, you're going to see you're going to find a lot of gems. And hopefully, with this podcast, we'll find a, a couple here and there. Yes, you said, Eric. You said the Hangman. Yeah, it's called the Hangman. It's okay, very, we very... talked off the air about doing something with Alan Smithy. Was that the movie, or am I thinking of something else? I think you're thinking about something else. But um, yeah, Tina okay. Louise. I thought Ginger from Gilligan's Island. She's been two. She stars in two of two of my favorite westerns, The Hangman, and another movie called Day of the Outlaw. I believe. I think you guys have seen that a while back. But anyways, before we go, you guys have anything else to say regarding uh, you know anything? Eric, start. Let's start with you. Well, we need to see what uh, I think Bruce needs to talk first because we, we might have skipped over something. Oh, oh, geez. I always forget, folks. I'm 50. No, it, I'm it, getting it, older. It, it's part of the I, bit now. Yeah, it's part of the bit. No, Bruce, before we go, we're not even doing a What's in the Box. Tell our listeners you know what's what we gonna are happen. What's going to happen is I'm going to be dead and oh, you're going to be on. at my That's- funeral. <laughs> and they're going to be oh, like, geez. well, what do you have anything to say? Let's get going. I'll be like, oh, wait. We forgot what's in the box. <laughs> what's in the box? Bruce but anyway, box. Um, yeah. we're yeah. not doing what's in the box next week because because Eric and I and you are going to watch a different movie instead that we've already pre-chosen, which is Eric Topkapi, T O P K A P I, directed by Jules Dassin, who directed Brute Force, The Naked City, and Refifi, among others. That I need to watch all those movies because. He makes some bangers. <laughs> yeah, and Jules Dawson had a very interesting life. I believe 
he uh, I don't know if he, he was I don't know if he was blacklisted, but he spent a lot of time in Hollywood, very successful. But then he was one. He became an expat. He went, actually moved to I believe Greece and ended up I think marrying Melina Mercury. Anyways, I don't know if that's her same guy, but he ended up his second the second part of his career was actually shooting movies in Europe. So very interesting person to actually di- dive deep into next week. We're going to start with Top Copy next week. That is it, Eric. Anything else to say before we go? Yes. Um, yes, sir. There is a podcast that just dropped today as we're recording this and an episode of the new podcast called Andrew Watches Movies. And he talks about Benedetta. But more importantly, Andrew Martin dropped the new episode of Andrew Watches Movies. So if you're not as excited as I am, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your life. <laughs> go check again, that out. Again, yeah. You like Andrew Watches Movies, Bruce? You like that? You like that podcast from Andrew Martin, yeah. our buddy? Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to it already. Oh, you're, you're listening. Okay, yeah, I'm going to get to Andrew Watch's movies by Andrew Martin. Again, I, I say this time and time, time and time again. The great thing about Andrew is he has the very tough job of actually speaking into a mic by himself. And, you know, he'll have some drops and whatnot. But for him to talk about his personal life and mix in a review as well and just to go off the cuff like that, I can't do that myself. I need the help of my betters. Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky and Anderson Count actually help support me. The good thing is a- Andrew can do it all by himself. He's very interesting. And uh, So check out Andrew Watches Movies. Most importantly, this episode, he's talking about Paul Verhoeven's Benedetta. And as we leave, we we leave with some wise words from Bruce Perky, Bruce Seal Ball. Yes, Bruce Seal Ball has to say, <laughs> between you guys and movies and my family... You make up the Vitamita Vegemin of my life. That was very, very wonderful. I'm going to cry right now. I was going to try to say something clever, but I can't. This is the holiday spirit. Hopefully you guys are doing great out there. If you're, Thank you for listening to Find Your Film. We will see you next week with some... What is that segment again, Bruce? Dr. Koontz or Dean Koontz's wallet or watch? <laughs> Anyways, we're going to figure out that segment next week. See you guys. Bye. <laughs>